success in the new retirement with Damon Roberts and Matt Deaton. Here with Matt Deaton this week, I'm Jennifer Perry. And if you've been following along on this Everesting series here on success in the new retirement, you know that Matt checked in last week and told us, yes, he finished. He finished that goal that he set several months ago and uh, joins us this week to recap this entire journey for us. So first of all, Matt, I'm sure you've gotten this question all week, but how are you feeling? You know, surprisingly, I'm not even that sore. Wow. Um, the night of my knees hurt and the next morning they were a little bit sore, but after 24 hours, I'm totally fine. I'm not even limping. So I could probably nice. head to the gym and do a mile on the treadmill. And I thought you were going to say bad. head back to the mountain and <laughs> go again. No, I, I really don't want to see that mountain again if, <laughs> if possible. So I need to correct myself. I, okay. I told my kids when I got home because they couldn't come because they had school things. Uh-huh. I said, next summer, we're going to go back and I'm going to have you hike up just to the first aid station. So that's the first half mile and give them a feel for what that was like. And they all said, why? Why do we even have to do that? (laughs) And I said, because you got to experience what I went through. You got to know what dad did. (laughs) Yeah. So that may be the plan for next summer. Yeah. And uh, we're going to share some of those moments, especially the thrilling finish on today's podcast here, Matt. But I want to go back to the very beginning. And when you first started this journey, as you've told us, this is 36 hours that you have to complete 13 trips up the mountain in Utah. And the event was opened, of course, by Jesse Itzler, who organized this whole thing. He's an entrepreneur, smart business guy, married to a smart business lady. Uh, The women out there will know Sarah Blakely of Spanx fame. And uh, here's how he opened it for you on day one. This is a very simple challenge. This is a very simple challenge. What makes this challenge hard is what makes this challenge easy. This is a long, we have a long amount of time ahead of us. But we're doing it one hill at a time. The clock works in our favor. If we just keep moving, if we just keep chipping away, chipping away, one hill at a time, and we're we're super present, and we want to get to the next tree, and the next tree, and the next tree, and the aid station, until we get to the gondola, and we come down, and we do it again, and we take the decision away from ourselves. We make a right turn, and we start up the hill because when you're on the hill, you're never going to walk down the hill. Take the decision away from yourself. Make a right turn and get ahead of the clock. All right. So mentally, how are you approaching things at this point, Matt? You know, at the beginning, it was easy. I mean, you could just really get going and you just move your way up the hill. So I was at the very front on the first lap. So there were only a couple of people ahead and, and me and Chase, who was with me, one of my friends, we kept our pace and were able to do really well. But as the race went along, like you said, it was so challenging. You had to just look at a mark and say, okay, I'm going to hike to that point and then I'm going to stop and I'm going to break and I'm going to breathe and I'm going to try to recover a little bit. And it really was that you just had to say, okay, I'm going to take another you know, 30, 40 steps up this hill and then I'm going to take a break. And you had to kind of put a a site in mind and walk to that point and then take a break and then put another one. And it was step by step. That's how you got up the hill. And let's listen to how you were feeling after that very first lap, because actually, Matt, you sounded pretty excited about this. Okay, we just finished the first lap. We're heading down the gondola. I've got Chase here with me. He's a buddy of mine. But we kept it under an hour. And so the plan is to refuel down at the bottom, grab our stuff, and then head back up and hopefully keep a similar pace. So we'll see how it goes. 
All right. So you had done this one time before. We heard about your practice round a couple of episodes ago, Matt. And so at this point, okay, do you get one under your belt and feel like, okay, I can do 12 more? Well, I mean, you're trying not to get ahead of yourself, but yeah, I mean, we, we kept an hour pace going up, which was what I did when I practiced it with my wife. So I was kind of like, okay, great. And then the second one we did pretty close to an hour. And then after that, it became more and more difficult. And that's when we started trailing off. That's when it started taking an hour and 10 minutes and then an hour and 20 minutes. And, you know, you had to take more breaks and stop at the pit stations to, to refuel and to kind of catch your breath. So, you know, eventually it was just, let's try to just make it up in a reasonable amount of time and keep on schedule. All right. Well, let's see how you felt just two laps later. Actually, Chase uh, posted this great Instagram video of you guys riding down after summit number three. All right. Number three down. We got a great visitor with us. She came to say hi. We're doing it right, Matt. Oh, yeah. Matt says this is like no big deal. I don't say that. He says if I could do this every day of the week, he'd be the happiest man ever. I'm Me? pretty sure I said I'm never doing this again. Tomato, it's like tomato. Having a baby. It's like having a it's baby. Like having a baby. I'm yeah. But three down. What? We just had three babies. Yeah. That was great. Good job. Did you really just compare this to having three babies, Matt? <laughs> hey, I've never had that experience, but the best way to describe because I've told people what I was doing mm-hmm. and I've said, okay, yeah, you, you have to hike from sea level to Everest. You have to do it 13 times. It's 2.3 miles and you go 2,300 feet. And for a lot of people, they said, oh, well, that's cool, you know, but I don't think you can really wrap your head around it. Mm-hmm. And finally, Jesse, the last night as he was kind of giving the, the celebration speech when we had all finished, he said, when you're trying to describe this to your friends, put it in this perspective. If you ever want to explain this to everybody, is when you get into the car and you go to the airport, hit zero on the odometer. And when you get basically to the airport, 30 miles or 31 miles, imagine walking that uphill the entire time. Because that's what you did. And if you did seven hills, you did 14 miles, Set your odometer and go 14 miles and imagine doing that straight up a hill. And if that's not a good way to put it in perspective, when you get on your airplane tomorrow and the little thing dings and says you can take your seatbelt off at 10,000 feet, look out your window and look down. And that will give you perspective of what you did in altitude. And you will be in awe because your mind can't wrap around what that is. You will be amazed at what it is you accomplished. Oh, wow. That makes it real. Yeah. And so I don't care if you want to take a gradual slope to get up to that 29,000 feet or if you want to take a steeper slope. That is a long way and it's really, really hard and it's really, really high. And that was the best description of what we went through to accomplish that goal. And it put it in perspective that you look down and you say, Wow, my goodness, that is a long way. Well, your journey continued on day one. And even by summit number five, Matt, you are still sounding pretty strong along with Chase in the gondola. All right, everyone. What number do we did? Five, right? Summer five. Five, we're done. It's easier than four. Yep. Easier than You're four. better prepared for, for that one. Yeah. So feeling good, feeling great. The breeze. Oh, yeah. Wind has picked up. It is like a it's beautiful thing. Well, you and know, then is so cool. We have this amazing tool, <laughs> and 
This is like a wet kiss on a Friday night. <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> oh, man. But, Matt, what's our plan? We're going to go quit. No. Oh, good. I'll, I'll, We're yeah. going to do the, the compression stuff for about 20 minutes, and then get back at it. All right. So next video should happen in, oh, like two hours. Okay, so tell us about the tools involved here. You were mentioning going back for the compression stuff, and uh, Chase held up a really interesting tool. What was that? So my wife, again, she was there, and so when we had gone down on lap four, I had a massage gun, one of those percussion gun massage tools, and so I said, hey, take that up to the top, and we'll use that on the way down. And so, yeah, that, that felt pretty good to be able to kind of massage out some sore calf muscles and some sore thigh muscles. And so that's what we did on the way down. And then when we got down, they had, again, they have a great recovery room. Again, it's 36 hours. So if you want to try to get away from the mountain for just a little bit, get out of the heat, they have a recovery room where they have people that will stretch out and massagers and, and they have uh, compression boots that you can put on your legs that, that help get the blood out of your feet. And so we did that for a few minutes to kind of get some recovery and that helped. But it wasn't too long after that that we started hitting that wall. And again, mm-hmm. we were in the middle of the afternoon. The sun was blazing down and every once in a while you get a breeze that would kind of cool you off. But it was at that point, it was a grind. It was mentally saying you know, are we going to stick to the goal? Are we going to reach it? Are we going to get pushed through the pain? And that really was the game plan at that point. Let's hear how you are feeling about the time that you hit summit number seven. Okay. So I just finished lap seven. So I'm a little bit more than halfway done. Uh, it's starting to cool off this. The laps five and six were rough with the heat. And at this point, it's just kind of grind it through trainings out the window you know my body stopped sending pain signals a long time ago with my knees and my quads so we'll see the plan is the goal is to do well when I set out I thought that at this point I'd be done with six so I'm pretty excited to have seven done but I was hoping to get ten done before I go to sleep tonight and that's going to be hard, but I think that's what I'm going to do, so I only have to do three tomorrow. So that's that's the plan, and that's my story, sticking to it. You definitely do not sound as excited at this point, Matt. <laughs> yeah, can you hear the exhaustion in my voice? <laughs> yes, a drastic difference from, say, lap number one or even number three. Wow. Well, and it would just, I mean, what's amazing is I told my dad and my mom, who were on the gondola with me at that point, is it was even just exhausting to try to put my thoughts together to actually record a one-minute little snapshot of what I was feeling like. Wow. It was like, I didn't even know if I had the brain power to even put complete sentences together. <laughs> it was getting to that point. Well, I'm proud of you for actually being able to form some words at this point. And actually, you did a little bit more, too, on day one. Okay, it's almost 11 o'clock. Um, I just finished my ninth time up in the dark by myself Uh, the person I had been hiking with before he had to go to a family arrangement engagement so he couldn't stay for the whole event so it's pretty rough um, but put one foot in front of the other that was the whole time I was on there I was listening to a book by David Goggins and if you know anything about David Goggins he he had a really crummy childhood he worked his way into becoming a Navy SEAL after trying and failing 
two times and has gone on to do some amazing things. Um, he has uses some pretty colorful language, but one of the things he said is he said that you're not done when you're tired, you're done when you're finished. And so that's been my mantra as I've been going up here trying to say that to myself. So I'm going to head down here. The plan is to get some sleep and hopefully be back up on the mountain by 7 or 8 and finish the last four before the deadline at 6 o'clock. So super tired. I'm pretty sure I'll be able to sleep really well. But uh, it's it's uh, it's been eye-opening. It's been I've learned a lot about myself, but... More important, it's just nice to have a goal and work towards it and fight through some of the pain. So, um, you know, may as well check in with you tomorrow. So, at this point, Matt, it had to feel good to at least have nine behind you on day one. Well, yes and no. I I, I wanted to have ten done. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd be able to stay out there until like twelve or one and get one more in. That was the goal. When I started it to the day, even halfway through the day, that's what was the goal. But by that point, I was totally done. And so, and I thought I was just totally exhausted. I thought I would just be able to go to sleep. And so I went down, took a shower, and went to my tent and got in bed around 12.30. And I slept for about three hours. And I woke up at 3.30 in the morning, wide awake. (laughs) And I laid there for a little bit and I said, well, I guess I got to get back out there. And so I strapped on all the gear and went up and got some food and was back on the mountain by five o'clock. And that actually ended up being a major blessing because I was able to do one hike in the dark with a couple other people and I was able to do another one before it really got hot. And so by the time the sun was up and it started getting warm, I had 11 done and I knew that the end was in sight. And actually, you had talked about this in the preparation phase, Matt. You knew that heat could be a factor, and you were trying to time these different summits according to the time of day. And actually, that's where a lot of people kind of went wrong, it sounds like. Well, just the heat. I mean, up at that elevation, the sun just beats down on you. The moment you get in the shade, it cools right off. But when you get out in that sun in the middle of the day, it just took it out of you. You had to drink more. Uh, Your body had to work that much harder because it was just so hot. And so the more you could do in the cool of the day or in the evening or at night, it really paid dividends later. Good to know for those of you who are thinking maybe about taking on this kind of Everesting challenge for yourself. But then comes the reward of all this hard work. And actually, Matt, uh, you recorded a little bit for us as you were approaching making that final lap. Let's listen to this. Mr. Matt, I got a red bit for you. All right. So they do some really cool stuff in terms of having you brand the board with each summit, Matt. And on that final lap, what, you get the red bib? Yeah. So every time you, you complete a summit, you get to brand the board. And they have a wood board. And they literally have branders that has all the logo of Everstein that you get to put each time that you complete a summit. And then on your 12th summit, the whole time you're hiking, you're hiking in a white bib that has your name on it, your, your number and it has the different elevations that you're trying to complete, and you get to check those off as you reach each summit on each of the seven continents. 
But when you get to lap 12, your final one, when you're, you've completed 12 and you're moving on to 13, then you get the reward of a red bib. And so as you're climbing up the mountain at that point, people know that this is your final one. And so everybody's super excited for you. They're, they're congratulating you and, and you're just trying to provide encouragement for other people as, as you're going up, but they're doing the same for you. And so, you know, when you come down off the gondola, as you heard, Colleen, who was the lady that was the announcer, what was amazing about her is she learned every single person's name. Mm -hmm. And when, when you would walk off the gondola, she knew who you were and she would congratulate you. She would get you to the board, let you get your brand. And she was just amazing. And, and so, yeah, just so many people that were supportive around you that gave you the energy to keep going. That actually kind of reminds me a little bit of what you guys do there at the office, too. You and Damon get to know your clients. You know them by name when they walk in. You're not just another number. So it sounds like, kind of like a similar approach that she had there. Wow. Well, and when you have people, you know, again, I, I think one of the, the rewarding parts about our job is helping people set some goals, creating a financial plan, and then working towards those goals and having someone that can come in and you can check in with that person, kind of see what adjustments you need to make. I think that does make a big difference. It holds you accountable. It gives you kind of the motivation to keep moving forward and knowing that you're you're on the path that's going to lead to your success. So I, I, it would have been really, really, honestly, I think it would have probably been impossible if you didn't have those people around you supporting you, if I didn't have my wife there and my parents there. If you didn't have those people pushing you along, it would have been just miserable and really difficult to accomplish if you were flying solo. And I think there's a lot to be said when it comes to preparing for retirement or any other goal that you're trying to go for. The people that surround you that can provide that mental and, and emotional support, that is a huge part of that whole process of reaching that goal. Absolutely. It makes such a huge difference. And I know in that final summit, it had to make all the difference in the world, Matt. So tell us about your mindset at this point when you're about to tackle that mountain one last time. Well, what was funny is the whole time people would say, well, the final lap's free. <laughs> That's what they would say. And so I had this in my mind that, hey, when I get to that final lap, you're going to get this red bib on this jersey and you're going to start going up the hill and you'll just have so much adrenaline that that final lap, you're just going to kind of float up the hill. And that is not the case. That <laughs> final lap is not free. It, it was in the heat of the day and it was still tough. But you knew that, you know, all you had to do every time you passed a rock. And, I, and what was, I told my wife, I said, I can still see rocks that I can recognize and tell you where that rock was on that course. You got so <laughs> sick of looking at those same things. But you could pass that rock and say, I will never see you again. And and that was a good feeling. Yeah. So again, all those mental tricks to get you through it. And uh, one last time, and actually your wife, Katie, as well as your parents are waiting there for you at the top. And uh, listen to what Katie captured as he came across the finish. Officially done. Officially done. You are done. You are done. All right. So honestly, Matt, this was the goosebumps video for me because even though you have trained hard, you've shared with us your entire journey, I was almost expecting you to be like sprinting across the finish, but you looked beaten down, but you actually took a moment for yourself there at the end too, I think to kind of reflect on what this journey meant to you. 
Well, so I didn't share the other video, but there was a incline just before you get to the ski lodge. And I did have enough energy at that point that I ran up that okay. hill. Okay. All right. There was a but little when, running involved. Yeah. But when I got to the top, you then still had to get around the lodge and cross the finish line. And as I was walking there and just kind of contemplating, you know, what I had gone through and how exhausted I was and what it took, it was, it was a lot more emotional than I thought. And huh. so when I crossed the finish line, I actually broke down. I, I shed some tears right there on the on the top of that summit and took a moment there and just kind of took it all in and and let some emotion out and and then finally stood up and, and started celebrating. But yeah, it was it was much more emotional than I thought. I, I didn't realize, you know, how much that meant to me. Because again, I and I don't know if how much I've talked about, but two years ago I had back surgery. Right. Yes. And I could, I mean, I was flat on my back for two weeks. I had taken pain medicine. I had done everything. I had, had Toradol shots. I had done everything and, and the pain would not go away. And I was at my wits end and finally elected to have surgery. And, you know, you go into back surgery and you've heard the horror stories. And fortunately for me, when I came out of that back surgery, the pain was gone and it wasn't too long before I had recovered. And so for me, it was you know, two years after that, where you're thinking, man, will I ever get back to normal mm -hmm. that I was able to summit, um, for the 13th time and, and climb the height of Everest. That was a big deal. And some of that emotion kind of flooded in at that point. Yeah. And uh, again, drawing some comparisons to what you do on a daily basis there, Matt, I'm imagining that when people reach their own finish line, whatever they've kind of set out for themselves, it has to be an emotional time for people who are on that doorstep of retirement and actually making that decision. Well, it is. I mean, I've shared stories of people that come into my office and they talk about what they've done and they, but they're still anxious, worried if they've done enough, if they're prepared to retire. And we, as part of this series, you know, I'll just refresh on that story of, of the client of mine that they came in and he was super worried whether he had done enough and was thinking he had to work for three or four or five more years and never thought he'd finally cross the finish line. And we were able to put a financial plan together and within six months of putting that financial plan together, you know, he was retired. Hmm. And, you know, again, I'm sure there was some emotion with that because that had been something he had been working towards for a long, long time and finally was able to cross the finish line and finally able to quit his job and now enjoy this time of his life. And so, yeah, anytime you accomplish that goal, there is just, you know, it's hard to fathom some of the emotions that will boil up to the top when that happens. But, you know, it is a joy when we're doing that, working with clients and help them reach their goals. It's one of the probably the most rewarding part of my job. And then uh, once you're past that finish line, then you can hopefully rest and enjoy it. And I have to brag on you for just a minute here, Matt, because the challengers here, and actually it's a kind of a personal challenge. It's not really fair to call you guys competitors because you're really competing against yourself in a challenge like this one. But you had 36 hours total to complete it. I know people who took it right up to the last second who didn't necessarily make their goals, but you did this actually well ahead of schedule. Yeah, I completed it you know, five hours before the deadline. So 31 um, hours. Wow. Yeah, you know, and, and that's great. And, and, you know, I was excited to be done with that. But at the end of the day, you know, there were people on the mountain and I truly mean this. There was people that I was talking to on the mountain that they only made it up four times. But it took everything they had to do it. And they put in the same mental energy and grind 
as me or anybody else that made it 13 times. And so there were plenty of people that while they may have not hit the 13 summits and say they, they climbed Everest, they accomplished a goal that they had set for themselves and pushed themselves past where they thought they could go. And that's just as impressive. And I truly mean that because there were people that were grinding it out all night long, never went to bed to just get their four or five or six. And so those people should, you know, feel just as much sense of pride because they were able to push themselves to the max. Yeah. And I think it just goes to show that uh, we all have different capabilities. We all have different challenges. It really is a personal thing, but it was kind of fun to see you enjoy the celebration, too. Deaton, is that you? Matt Deaton, he has completed 29.029 here, Snow Basin, Utah, 13 times up that mountain. Way to go, Matt. Get on that board. Brand that 13 on there. You earned it. And you were back to smiling at this point, Matt. So that was good to see that you could actually enjoy this moment for what it was. But really looking back on the whole experience, what are the biggest takeaways and what's going to stick with you after this? You know, it was a life-changing experience. It's one of those things where you say, okay, I'm setting a goal. You know you're going to push yourself to the limit. Again, you're hiking up the height of where a commercial jet airline flies. And it's amazing what your mind and your body can do when you push it there. And so for me, it's just one of those things I think I'll reflect back on many, many times when things are tough, when you're faced with challenges and say, you know what, I could do that. I can do this. And again, I think that that's why these type of events are there is that we're all trying to prove our, to ourselves and find something that we can say, you know, if I can do that, then I can do this and I can face some of the challenges they'll face in life. And, and we all have them. We all struggle with something. We have, you know, financial issues. We have work issues. We have family issues. We have personal issues and we are all fighting through those challenges. And, you know, I mentioned David Goggins in his book. He says that our mind tells us to quit when we're at 40% and we still have 60% more we can push through. And if there's one thing that I learned from that event is, yeah, by, by lap six or seven, my mind was saying, hey, you've done enough. What's the point? But then you have to kind of say, nope, I set a goal that I'm doing 13 and that's what we're going to do. And then all of a sudden your, your mind stops sending pain signals. You, it's, just, it's like, I guess this is what we're going to do. And, and you just get after it. And I think that's a lesson that I will take in all parts of my life. And I think that's something that we all have to come to understand and learn is that we can do more than we believe we can. Kind of goes back to what Jesse Itzler told you guys at the beginning of this journey. It's up to you. Do one more, get ahead of the clock and chip away. One hill becomes three hills, becomes five hills, becomes seven hills. And when you chip away, you keep going and use the clock in your favor. Before you know you're at nine hills, and then you see the light at the end of the tunnel. The last lap is free. (laughs) But again, Matt learned the hard way that uh, that last lap is not free. you got to work for all of it. But some great lessons throughout this entire experience, Matt. And we're going to revisit some more highlights here in the coming weeks on success in the new retirement. But uh, you've said never again. Do you really intend to never do this again? You know, honestly, I sit here and it's only been a couple of days, so it's still fresh. And I really don't know if I would ever do it for myself again. Mm-hmm. But 
if there was someone that was wanting to do it and they wanted someone to help them, I would do it again. I would go with that person. I would go at their pace and I would be there to support and help them accomplish that goal. And so I don't think I'd do it again for myself. I think um, that I've checked that box. But one thing I learned with that is, again, my goal was to do each one of those laps in under an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. But technically, if you wanted to take all 36 hours, if you were willing to be on that mountain from six in the morning on day one till six o'clock at night on day two, you have 36 hours, which means that you have to complete those in two hours and 45 minutes. Right. So if you are willing to grind it out and both ways are painful, right? If you go (laughs) fast, it's really painful. If you go slower, but you do it all night long and all through the next day in the heat of the day, that's painful too. Right. But it's putting one foot in front of the other. And so at the end of the day, if you're willing to grind that out, I think just about anybody could do it. It just is those moments when you just are are at your wits end and you're just so exhausted that you're just like, I can't take another step. And so if I could be there to help somebody else and that was what they were trying to accomplish, I would sign up and go with them and I'd do it. And, and so that's my thoughts right now. We'll see if that changes over time, but, (laughs) but I really do think that there's power in trying to accomplish that type of a goal. Again, we've drawn so many comparisons, Matt, to both your training and now this actual journey, your Everesting challenge to what people face as they head through retirement, too. And there are multiple ways to get to your own goal line. I think it all kind of goes back to that. Everyone's a little bit different. But the purpose here of this series is to show you if you set a goal, if you work toward it, you can get there. Yeah. And and again, the, the important thing to understand when it comes to financial plan is, and we talk about this in our book, and we've used the Mount Everest as the analogy that, again, the goal is to summit to Mount Everest. And a lot of people have done that. But the stats still show that 80% of the accidents, the deaths, the problems occur on the way down. And so, you know, you have this goal to be retired, and it's just as daunting and difficult as, you know, this type of race that you really have to put your head down. You've got to set some goals. You've got to work hard. You've got to save your money. You've got to build up that nest egg so you can retire. But the thing that's really important when it comes to retirement is just because you get to retirement doesn't necessarily mean it's over. In fact, it's not. It's now you have to make sure that that money lasts as long as you do. And just like on Everest, 80% of the accidents happen on the way down in retirement. A lot of pitfalls and mistakes occur when people start spending from their nest egg. And that's when you potentially start spending too fast. You run out of money. You have health issues. You have higher taxes than you expected. All of these things come and start taking away from that nest egg that you put away. And now you're starting to have the stress of, well, man, do I have to go back to work? Do I have enough? Can we sustain our lifestyle? And so when it comes to what I do on a day-to-day basis, that's what we're trying to help people is not only get to that peak of retirement, but then get down safely and have a plan in place that's going to help them figure out how they turn their nest egg into an income stream, how they make sure that they're maximizing their social security benefits and their pension benefits. How do they reduce taxes so their money lasts longer and reduce fees on their investments? All of those things will allow them to get successfully down, which is the ultimate goal. Again, Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to get to the top, but you definitely want to get down. You want to be able to tell people about it and you want to, you know, live to tell the tale. It's no good if you get to the top of Everest and and don't make it all the way down. And so that's what we try to preach every day and help people accomplish. And and that's the ultimate goal and what we're doing on a day to day basis here. 
We want you to celebrate just as Matt has over this past week. And again, if you'd like to see more of his journey, follow us on Facebook. Just do a search there for Acute Wealth Advisors. There's some great pictures and video for you of Matt's Everesting journey. But what's your Everest? Let us know online too. Find us there at successinthenewretirement.com. Climbing towards your retirement goals? Find more resources online at successinthenewretirement.com. Investment advisory services offered through Acute Investment Advisory, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance and annuities offered through its affiliated company, Acute Wealth Advisors, LLC. Tax and or legal advice is not offered by either company or their affiliated companies. Consult with your tax and legal professionals for guidance on tax or legal matters. The information presented should not be viewed as personalized investment advice. All expressions of opinion are subject to change. We are not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.